With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. What do you get when you cross a know-it-all newspaper columnist with an awkward, unsophisticated everyman? Yeah, uh, well, I'm just not sure about that right now. Welcome, Welcome to, to Couch, Couch and the Room. Welcome back to Couch and the Room. I'm Graham Couch here alongside Jason Nick. Hour two of the Tuesday show. Um, again, if you listen to us on Facebook Live or watch us on Facebook Live, we're recording this an hour earlier today uh, because of Mark Antonio's press conference and my obligations there. So um, we apologize for that. We'll be back uh, in moving pictures uh, I think people tomorrow. are okay with it, Graham. You know, sometimes they don't need to see everything. Uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised anybody wants to, but there are like 70 I, people like me. Maybe, I know, maybe, I, I get you know. that. I don't, you know, people, that's how they listen to the show on Facebook Live. It's impressive. So, some, people are, some people are visual, too. Sure. You know? yeah, and, you are, I mean, sometimes you want to know what the people look like that you're listening to. When I tweet out, like, the uh, Talking Spartans videos we do after games uh, for, for the Lansing State Journal, sometimes I tweet out, you know, if you don't read so good, here you go. This is the game, I, and not everybody reads. I remember not. when I first saw you and Solari the first time, was it last year, and you guys did those, and... I said I sent you a, a tweet saying that you guys look like two guys my bookie would send over to my house to collect. You guys look <laughs> – it's like the cameras are straight on you guys. But yeah, people, like, people like those videos. It's not always framed perfectly. <laughs> I, the, the worst guy at framing those was Joe Rexroad. And there was a, an era early on when, when Joe was first moved to the Freep and we were not yet doing videos together. And he was shooting a video of me and Solari. And his framing of the video was like neck up. You could see me and Solari. And then there was like, I don't know, 30 feet of blank space above us. <laughs> He's like the worst videographer, photographer you'd, you can ever imagine. All right, we liked uh, involving you in the show and doing that through Twitter and your Twitter questions. It's, it's, it's our, our way of um, taking the temperature of the room a little bit. And so we're, we're going to do that here and, and get into this and um, go from there. Jason, you ready? Yep, let's do it. Andrew Gauthier has a question. He says, as we move into the meat of the Big Ten season, do you think MSU will continue to try to pound the ball in the predictable running situations, or will they try to start getting more creative? Especially with injuries, it's clear that the O-line just can't get it done consistently. 
yeah, I don't think they're going to have a choice but to be more creative. The challenge now becomes one of their real key guys and winging it around and doing some other things is Cody White, who's a really versatile player too. And you, they're going to have to rely on younger players to do that because Felton Davis is not a guy you're going to run jet sweeps with and other things like that. Daryl Stewart has some of that versatility. And so I'll be curious to see um, what they do with what they do with Daryl if he's back this week. It'll be very interesting against Northwestern because if you watch Northwestern against Michigan, physically at the line of scrimmage, they matched up okay. They're going to match up fine with Michigan State. Michigan State's not going to be able to run the ball. Michigan State's beat up on the offensive line and wasn't that good when they were healthy on the offensive line. And so maybe that comes together at some point. Guys get back, guys develop. They're, it is a young group. But until that happens, you're right. It, it, I think it's going to be a combination of Brian Lewerke's legs. I think it's going to be um, some different sort of things. You know, you can use tempo to help you. I, I thought one of the really good things Dave Warner did, and uh, if you look at the 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 past, I think it was to Cody White before he was hurt, he gets down to the one-yard line, and it's a fairly big gain. And Michigan State gets to the line of scrimmage, no huddle, tempo to try to punch it in. It didn't work. They punched it on the next play, but it was something different. It was you try to get the defense off guard a little bit. I think the use of tempo is something Michigan State doesn't use enough and has been successful when they do and probably needs to look at more. Um, it's getting Lewerke in space. And when they get L.J. Scott back, that'll help. He's an experienced guy who's really good in space, and you can use him on the outside and do other things. They're going to have to be creative. If they're not creative, if they line up and run twice and throw on third and six every time, they'll lose to Northwestern. Mark my words. I mean, they, they, will, they will absolutely lose Any chance that they get the tight ends more involved this week, or is it just a foregone conclusion that they're just going to – the guys are going to get one reception a game? Yeah, I think Matt Dotson's pretty good. Uh, I think they like him a lot, and so I wouldn't be stunned if 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 they do a little bit. It's just, and, and certainly now that you don't have the wideouts uh, healthy, and we'll see what Daryl Stewart is this week. I mean, is Sokol just done? I mean, I thought he was a guy that was that they were going to lean on a little bit in the receiving game. Yeah, I've actually seen him as a decent NFL prospect because he is uh, he's got good speed, better speed than uh, Josiah Price had, for example. He doesn't have great hands. He's dropped a lot of balls. And so I don't know if they've just lost faith there. I don't know if he's not a great blocker. They've had to leave those guys in, I think, to to help block. I mean, that's the other thing, right? If you, if you can't protect Brian Lewerke, your tight end can't leave. But if you think back to, like, the um, the year with Andrew Maxwell and the wideouts weren't very good, they, they relied on the tight end a ton uh, back then. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. All right, next question from JJ and others. I guess this was a, p- a pretty popular question. Do you think there's a chance for a noon kick for the U- uh, U- University of Michigan game or no way? I do think there's a chance. And unfortunately, and I'm getting this question a lot from people, and, and I can't remember who all I responded to. We may know as early as next week because, uh, for example, we know the Penn State game time now at being 3.30. But that would take a Michigan State loss versus Northwestern, right? And Michigan. No, because and- here's the thing: there is one. They get one six day out, so it's not like most of the time it's a two weeks. But they, there there is one except you know exemption or whatever that they get. Uh, they can make the, the the Monday before the game a decision, and the week before Michigan versus Michigan State, you have Michigan playing Wisconsin and Michigan State playing Ohio State. They may want to wait to see the results of those two games and how big a game that is before they make a call on what to. So I, I don't know entirely whether you know whether it'll be uh, held out. I think I don't I don't think it'll be a night game. 
Um, At least 3.30, I would think. 3.30 or noon. It'll be one of the two based on the TV slot. And, and the other thing that impacts now is who has the, the, the game that week. The, the you know Fox sometimes has the first pick. And if Fox is dealing with Major League Baseball postseason, what that schedule is can matter to a bunch of stuff. So I think it, they're kind of in a zone right now where I, you know, I ought to do more research on it. I will do more research on that um, and, and if come up with an answer and, and, and see if I can find out at least narrow it down for you on when we'll know who has that game and what other games they're up against that week in the Big Ten. All right, let's go to the NBA. Let's talk a little NBA here. Steve asks, who will have a better rookie season, Miles Bridges or Jaron Jackson? I mean, I think Jaron Jackson's just going to be the better player as an NBA player. So eventually it's Jaron Jackson, and I do think he'll take off to some extent. What you're going to see from Miles Bridges, you're already seeing in, and we, you know, we saw it in Michigan State, but you're already seeing highlights in the, in the preseason, is electrifying put-back dunks. So people are going to know about Miles Bridges. But if you're talking points, rebounds, impacting the game, as a career, yeah, Jaron Jackson. Or even this year, I think I think Jaron Jackson might be it. I, I mean, I, I think Jackson is going to flip. I think the the thing that's sort of a shame for Michigan State fans of Michigan State's program is he, for a long time, wanted to stay and nearly stayed at Michigan State. And, you know, had he, um, had he done that, I think this year that you're going to see in the NBA would have happened at an All-American level. At Michigan State, I think I think he's going to be a pretty good player right away. And people take stuff away from him, but his skill set is is phenomenal. I mean, it's just it, it, and he also, I mean, what are their roles on their teams? I mean, Charlotte and Memphis. I think Miles is going to get a lot of minutes. Is Jaron going to get a lot of minutes? I think both Memphis? of them will get a lot of minutes. He's a high draft pick, rebuilding teams. I, I think both of them, uh, both of them will get a maybe lot of maybe Miles time. is more of a highlight guy, you know, the, on the Twitter and get the highlights going. And Jaron Jackson's more. I, Jaron Jackson reminds me a lot of KG when he was in 95 as a rookie. Yeah, except I, he's got a better shot. And, and Kevin Garnett basically said he's, he's better than I was. Mm. Now, that, that'll what Kevin Garnett had, and we'll see with KG, and you remember this about Garnett, Garnett had an edge to him and is a competitor and all that. And, and we're going to find that out about Jaron Jackson over the next And that was something Ke- Garnett came into the league with. You know, maybe you can't really build that, that kind of swag throughout your career, but you can still have a great career. All right, let's go on to Darko was a good pick. That's his Twitter handle. If Miles Bridges has a lot of success this year, do you think it makes other one-and-done guys in NCAA think about staying another year? I really wish the Darko was a good pick was the actual question because I'd love <laughs> to hear the, the sort of the explanation behind it and, and why, why, it was a, why it was a really good question. Um, yeah, no, I, it's interesting to sort of watch the data. The other thing is the one-and-done is going to go away, right? So guys soon are going to be able to go right from high school and there won't be this pressure on the one and dones to feel like if you don't go after year one you're some sort of failure to some extent i think to that degree what miles bridges does is important because he is a guy who said you know i want to come back he didn't really improve his draft stock all that much and so if he looks like a more mature player he has you know you think about gary harris who could have left and came back too and then didn't even have a good rookie year. Was really on the bench. Was miserable and lonely. I, you know, I think if 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 you're going to, um, you know, I, I think if you have a good experience as a rookie, as a more mature rookie, that pays off. That pays off down the line. We'll see if other players are taking note. I don't know what 17 year olds are watching. I don't know if any of them anywhere are going. Hey, Miles Bridges came back. I want that to be me too. Well, I mean, but also you can look at. What happened when Miles came back? I mean, if, if a lot of those one and done kids see all of the admiration and the, the student section and, and all the fans that came out at the Sparty statue, I think a lot of a lot of kids want that. A lot of guys want that to come back for another year and be like, "Wow, 
the fans love me. So, I mean, the NBA isn't all it's cracked up to be or going overseas. Some well, guys actually love college. And, and so we look at it in the, in the prism, obviously, of Michigan State, but I think there's another guy that people have to watch, and it's, it's Robert Williams, you know, um, <clears throat> who's the Celtics um, number one uh, pick, 27th overall. There's a guy who from Texas A&M was a projected lottery pick a year ago, people thought was going to maybe be a top five pick, goes 27, has some maturity issues. You know, if he doesn't have a great experience or his – I mean, th- that's a, an example that agents and other people can look the other way. So, at Miles, you know, Miles did what's best for Miles. I think it's important that he doesn't have a bad year um, and he has a good career and you can show that coming back doesn't hurt you. But I don't know if it's ever going to change anything. And that's the Twitter questions for this week. All right. One, one thing I wanted to get into as well um, before we take a break here is, you know, I, I'm doing this new fake mailbag. Have you seen this? I have. And uh, it, it's sort of an an, an ode uh, to other mailbags, some of which aren't real either. I don't think um, we won't we won't say which on on this program here. But, but I do get some responses and questions from there. And one of the things you know, the, the the fake questions I came up with that I think they're real answers to questions you haven't asked yet. You know, one was uh, about uh, Brian Lewerke and blaming the officials and whether he passed the buck. You know, another is about. Uh, uh, whether L.J. Scott made a mistake coming back. And I want to get into those a, a, a little bit here because um, I've gotten some response. You know, the L.J. Scott thing is interesting because I actually have sort of gotten that question over time, not specifically on Twitter where I can point to it or, or our Couch in the Room Twitter questions. But I think that's too early to say, right? I mean, he is a guy who, if he gets drafted in the third or fourth round next year, the fourth or fifth round, sticks with an NFL team, has a serviceable career, you can't say that. Because I don't think, it's not a guarantee where he was going to go next year. He would have needed a good combine, a good pro day. He was an intriguing prospect, but he was not a guy who was going to go anywhere ahead of the middle rounds. The problem is, if this ankle injury lingers and he doesn't play at all, or really struggles all year, or the offensive line never gets going, and I think that's why the the question really lingers. Because I do think if he had known the line was going to be like this, and he'd known he was going to get dinged up, I think he might have thought differently. Um, he hadn't said that to me, but this How is a, is he supposed to foreshadow like, that the line's going to be like that. Right. This is tough to run behind. It's tough to build an NFL resume behind this. So what he needs is a couple games where he really shows his skill set, which is getting to that next level, uh, his sort of wiggle and, and elusiveness in a phone booth. He's sort of the complete back. He's got athleticism. He's got power. He's got all, he, is, he is a poor man's Le'Veon Bell. And the more people are intrigued with that sort of player, the better off I think he's going to be. And, and the other thing is, and I, and I heard Rico addressing this yesterday on the Spartan Beat as well, uh, the idea that Brian Lewerke came out and he kind of blamed the officials for missing pass interference on his own uh, touchdown, or sorry, his own interception in the end zone. Um, I didn't like it at first. It was a bad look. And it's not a becoming look. It's something you don't want to do regularly. But I don't think we can ask athletes to be genuine, to be honest with us, to not just do coach speak type stuff, cliches. Yeah, you have to pick one. And then and then rip them when they speak their truth. Now if you watch the replay, it's not quite as obvious as, as Lewerke brings it up or makes it out to be. And in the in the telecast, Felton Davis leaves the frame for a second, so it's a little hard to tell exactly. But that's what Brian Lewerke saw and that's what he said. And, you know, it's, 
I don't know if it's the greatest look after a loss. That's why you got to kind of have to say those things after a win. To me, that's where if you want credibility complaining about the officials, do it after a win. Nobody will give you any grief because you won the game. It didn't cost you the game. You know, you, you I mean, don't look you like a sore loser. It with I played like crap today. I was terrible. But I don't think he was. Well, I understand. I mean, but I don't know what people want, like you said. I mean, do you want a player to be honest? Do you want coaches to be honest? Or you have to pick one because these guys are going to go one way or the other. And I have no problem with, with Lewerke saying that. You know, I don't know if it was really blaming the officials. He just said there should be more pass interference calls. And he's not wrong. There should have been a couple. But on the play that he was talking about, maybe not. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about Le'Veon Bell a little bit and um, get into L.J. Scott's um, mentor, so to speak. We'll be right back here on Couch in the Rube. And we're back here on Couch in the Rube. Graham Couch alongside Jason Nick. Former Spartan Le'Veon Bell says he is going to report during the uh, week seven, week eight time frame, during the bye, according to reports. And... Again, he could go up to week 10 and still get credit for the year. And if you aren't aware, he's been holding out for a new long-term deal. He wants big-time guaranteed money, probably more than the, what, $45 million, um, that's sort of the it's ceiling. Todd Gurley got to yeah, 45 guaranteed. That's the ceiling that, that running backs have right now. We'll see you know, what, he, what he winds up with. But he's going to come play with the Steelers this year, um, the second half of the season. And the Steelers have reportedly been shopping him, and, and not you know if they lose him completely, they'll get like a third round compensatory pick. So they lose him in free agency. So you know anything less than that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them to do. And, and other teams, if you're going to rent him, you know how much do you really want to give up? What does he what does he provide for you? I think it's different than the NBA, where there's a lot it, it, there's a lot less that's certain. Um, you know, and, and a lot. You know, you can have a rash of injuries and not really be a player anyway. So, Jason, I ask you this: If you were Le'Veon Bell, would you come back when he's planning to come back? After seeing Earl Thomas last week, would you? I mean, especially if you don't have a contract extension, if you're just signing a, you know, the tender. I mean, and people, the argument is he's making more money than everybody else, and you know, you go to your job and you only make forty grand a year, and this guy's making so what? That's why he's one of the best players in the league. I mean, he has that right to sit out, and I have no problem with it. But also, if you're the Steelers, do you really want to sign him to an extension? $45 million, you know, guaranteed. Is the – if you were the Steelers, what would you do? I would sign him to an extension because you only have so much with, with Roethlisberger. You would need to win now. And obviously, James Conner looked good in week two, but – kind of looks the running game has been a little suspect for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers so far and you need one of the best running backs in the league can only help you but so if you sign not? if you sign him and you put yourself in that sort of uh, salary cap hell potentially right yeah the, the question then becomes I mean, that's everything the Steelers haven't done right the Steelers have been one of the teams like the Patriots that are sort of cruel to veterans they keep themselves lean they're able to win over time, year after year, even in a salary cap sport that sort of wants you to uh, build something and then and then die like the Seattle Seahawks are, are, are doing. I don't think that's their M.O. And when you see like a guy like James Conner, he's not Le'Veon Bell, but he's not that far off. See, to me, that takes away Le'Veon's value because it's not just what Le'Veon is. It's what the difference between Conner and Le'Veon is. And maybe – 
And when you look at the number of catches he had last year and his overall production, maybe it's worth it. He's in the prime of his career. Um, and, and you also don't want to get entirely the reputation of a franchise that won't pay somebody who's earned it. I, I don't know if I'd do it, though. I, if you do it and you're trying to win one more time with Ben, I'm good for it. But then you've got to know there may be a couple years where you're just not a competitive franchise. Well, and Pittsburgh did offer him $70 million. It's just $17 million guaranteed was, was the problem. And when you watch, you know, David Johnson getting 45 guaranteed, Gurley getting, what, 30, 40 guaranteed. I don't blame Le'Veon Bell. I mean, if you sit there and you're one of the top four running backs in the league and you think you deserve it, I don't see any problem with wanting to hold out, especially in a league where, I mean, what if he comes back for this tender and snaps his ankle like uh, Tyler Eifert did with the Bengals? Are the Steelers going to sit there and, and pay him past this year? No. They're going to cut him and move on with James Conner. So I don't. It works both ways in, in, in the NFL for me. I don't blame Pittsburgh, but I also, if you're leaving on Bell, I don't blame him for sitting out. But you got to have to make a decision at some point. And other teams, are, if, you, if you give up a third rounder, a seventh rounder for him, you're worried about whether or not he's going to re-sign with you. And here's the difficult thing. I mean, the bottom line is when you choose to be a running back in the NFL, you're, you're playing – 15, 20 years, 25 years too late. There was a period of time where this would be a no-brainer. This is where the money was. But the, the data has kind of proven out that this is a replaceable position. Now, Le'Veon may be one of the few guys that makes that much of a difference based on his overall contributions, based on 80 catches, based on everything he gives them. And so, I, But there's more guaranteed money now, Graham. I mean, to be honest with you, it's pretty good to be a running back if you're one of the top four guys. It's the other guys, the tier lower that aren't going to make the guaranteed money. They offered him $30 million guaranteed, right? It was 17. It was 70 17. million contracts, 17 guaranteed. 17 guaranteed. Yep. And how much is 45 guaranteed with Gurley? Uh, let's see. Gurley was 31. Let's see. David Johnson, 31 million. Todd Gurley, 45. I mean, they're going to have to get to that realm if they want him. And otherwise, he's going to leave. And I, But I don't know if he gets it anywhere else. Like, maybe some team does it, but when you're trying to build a franchise, like, how many, team, how many teams have that kind of room under the cap and want to use it there? The teams that can do it, as we've talked about, mm-hmm. right, are, are the teams that have the young, talented quarterback and have cap space like the Rams with Todd Gurley. The problem is the Chiefs don't really need that. Who, who else has that young quarterback? I guess the Eagles. Carson Wentz is still in that zone where the Eagles could want to get him, you know, a player of that caliber. Mariota, Tennessee. Yeah, Their yeah. defense is pretty good. Yeah, no, no, there are there are a few I mean, places they have Derrick Henry, but I mean he hasn't really panned out that the, that they wanted. But I mean Bell's twenty six. I mean the shelf life obviously for NFL any NFL player is short, and do you want to sit there and give up a couple draft picks to get a guy that might not resign who's twenty six years old? He probably has what four years left. I, I got odd years. I got to ask. Uh, yeah, he's young enough that he gets it now. Twenty six, you can pull this. At twenty eight, you can't because mm-hmm. they look at the length of the contract in your thirties. I got to ask Mark D'Antonio today about uh, what he thinks of Le'Veon Bell. And I'll, I'll report back tomorrow on that because I'm curious. You know, it was Mark D'Antonio famously said, you know, we don't want to get complacent or something like that. And he was sort of referencing Le'Veon Bell before the 2012 season. It became a big storyline back when times were simpler around MSU. Um, and I'm curious what he thinks now and what, what he would advise Le'Veon. Because I remember asking Mark D'Antonio at Minnesota after – uh, Michigan State won that game to get to six and six and qualify for the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. What? How he would sell Le'Veon Bell on coming back for his senior year? And he said, "Well, I'll give him the ball another three hundred times." 
which is exactly the wrong answer <laughs> because that's 300 carries you'll never get back on those legs. And he left and made the right decision. And Le'Veon understands that better than better than anybody right now. It, it is sort of interesting because you look at that era with Kirk Cousins and all the money he's gotten and how prevalent he's been in, in, in the NFL. And Le'Veon Bell, um, just two guys from the beginning of the rise of Michigan State football who are uh, in their primes uh, in the NFL and, and – and, uh, and, and big deals, and um, yeah, it's it's. And Le'Veon's smart. I mean, he's coming back off a bye week, and the first game they have back off the bye week is the Cleveland Browns. So Le'Veon knows what he's doing. If you're going to come back, that's the time. And it says here Bell also believes the Jets, 49ers, Colts, Browns, and Eagles would be among the teams interested in his services on the free agent market. I think so, the Eagles make a ton of sense, given. And I don't know everything about their cap situation. And you want to prioritize that defense to some extent, but if you've got a young quarterback like Carson Wentz, who's had one injury, see, I would rather give pour weapons. money into a defense. Like when I watch the Lions, the thing that bums me out the most is no push off the defensive line. I mean, I want the defense. I think you can you can put guys in and figure out how to get around the eighty to ninety yard mark in the running game without paying a guy that m- amount of money. And I would rather put the money into a defense and defensive line. I agree. If oh, I'm and, a team, and no, and I agree. Like even with Carryon Johnson. Love the guy. Want him to get more carries. He's under he, a rookie contract. But when he gets to year five, you know what I'll prefer? They draft another carry on Johnson. And that's just the reality. Unless you wind up being truly special, and that's really the question with Le'Veon. Is he truly special? And how much extra worth does he have than every other running back? We're going to take another break. When we come back, we will talk about why what happened to Michigan early against Northwestern could happen to MSU and the dangers in that. We'll be right back. Couch in the Roop. And we're back here on Couch in the Roop. Graham Couch alongside Jason Nick, rolling along hour two on this Tuesday show. Jason, interesting article, uh, read at M Live here, um, about Michigan players explaining what went wrong in the first quarter versus Northwestern. And there's a reason I think Michigan State should be concerned about this. Because if you if you look at the Michigan players explanations it's all about tempo it's not about um you know anything that was so fancy or anything it was they were running so many quick plays just a lot of those quick passes quick runs trying to get outside and once we made adjustments we did a pretty good job of stopping those uh quick slants it's the quickness of it right i mean clayton thorson who's been a thorn in michigan state side completed nine of his first 10 pass attempts and Northwestern gets up 17 nothing. Michigan State over time has struggled with tempo. That goes back to the Indiana game in 2012. I mean, you go back, I mean, tempo has been a bugaboo. They've solved to some degree. But when you look at this Michigan State team that is, I think, incredibly beyond sound, I think elite against the run uh, and, and as a defensive front, but the underneath passing stuff can be had a little bit and is beat up here and there. It plays into what Northwestern does well. And if you remember the game last year in Evanston, and I'm sure you do, I mean, that was a, you know, Clayton Thorson picked Michigan State apart underneath. And I'm sure they're going to go with tempo again, which will be a challenge for Michigan State to sub and do other things. I I think this is going to be an incredibly difficult game for MSU. And the problem for Michigan State is, is if you go down, as we talked with Sean Windsor last hour, if you go down seventeen nothing, or something bad happens like that, 
do you have the ability, like Michigan did, to shut off the, the spout then, to make sure that that's it and, and give yourself a chance is, to come back? Is Thorson a quarterback that scares you? Yeah. To be honest with you. He may, be one of the be- he may be the best. If this team, Michigan State's defense was healthy, I, I wouldn't be worried about Thorson. But it's just the, the injuries are what concerns me. He was great last year against him. Sure. And Thorson may be the best NFL prospect in the Big Ten. The thing that is um, – NFL prospects don't put up 94 against Michigan. I mean, he didn't really have well, great stats. But keep in mind, he and this is what I think should scare people about about Thorson, is people didn't know if he was even going to be ready for the start of the season coming off that ACL tear in the bowl game. And guys are never as good right away. And the question is, at what point does he have that game where he's got confidence, he's got his legs under him, he sort of finds it again. You don't want that to be against you. <laughs> and you want to make – he's another guy, a veteran guy, though, that you want to make uncomfortable. And – I think if you give him time, he will pick you apart because he's a smart quarterback. And I know sometimes with, with veteran quarterbacks who can make blitzes pay, there's sometimes the thought not to do it. I think you want to get after him. They don't have a great running game. You can trust your defense to stop the run. But I, the more I look at this game, and I could be totally wrong. I mean, Northwestern lost to Akron, right? They're, they're without, they lost a, a tremendous young running back to a career-ending injury a couple weeks ago. They're, they're just not um, – they're not a great team. But Akron, it turned out, almost beat Iowa State uh, a week later. And Iowa State had just hung with Oklahoma. So, you know, I know that's the transitive property and all that, and that's kind of bogus in sports. But, in other words, that wasn't as horrible a loss as uh, you think when you think of the Akron brand. For example, Akron's game against uh, Nebraska that was canceled because of weather and the opener. Nebraska's so lucky, they'd be 0-5. They would have lost to that Akron team without question. And I, I don't know. I, I think this week for Michigan State will be. I think it's a toss-up, and I don't get the eleven and a half spread. And we talk a lot about spreads on this program. Yeah, I I love this as a money line. I, I don't I don't bet games with MSU because I cover the team. But if if and I don't think MSU fans are going to bet the money line for Northwestern because, again, that as Jason knows with the Lions, you don't bet against the Lions, right, Jason? No. No, I will bet the Lions. I will take the Lions, but I will never bet against them. That's like taking the under. It's just not. It's no fun. Right. So, but if you're an impartial person, or you're a Michigan fan, or whatever, listening to this show, I, I would advise that. Or if you're a Michigan State fan who wants to, uh, you know, if, if you lose the game to feel good about something, I think the money line payout on. on well, answer me this, Graham. Good. With Cody White out with the with a broken hand, what receiver do you think steps up? I mean. Obviously, other than Felton Davis, but I mean, you know, the guys that have to fill in. Is there a, a name? Well, I think the key really is that Daryl Stewart's healthy enough to go mm-hmm. because he is, uh, you know, in his own right, a really quality receiver with a lot of a lot of skills. And you know, they, they've been beat up with, uh, you know, those young guys. You really don't know. There are a number of them. Uh, you know, Laris Nelson uh, is a guy who is. Shown some flashes and, and and been a good player in, in in spots, but never been relied upon. Like that's the thing. None of these young guys have ever. They've never said. And Cam Chambers has been hurt, I believe, too. And none of these young guys, they've ever said. You know, you now have to perform for us because they're going to start taking away Felton Davis. I think it's critical that Daryl Stewart can play. If he can't, there are a lot. I mean, I, I, Lewerke's the type of quarterback because he's got that kind of gambler, gamer in him, you know, where he can run around with his legs and do other things. He gives you a chance, but he's going to have to do quite a bit of that, I think. But L.J. Scott and Stewart are back. They could be okay. If neither one of those guys play, and you're also out Cody White with this offensive line, 
I mean, I would pick Northwestern six times out of ten, even in Spartan Stadium. I, I, I don't – again, Mark D'Antonio's press conference, as you're listening to this, will actually be going on. We do this an hour early on Tuesday so I can get over there. So some of those answers may be there uh, very quickly here. Um, yeah, ask him why he didn't cover against CMU. I'll get, I'll get into that. I'll get into that. Hey, man, Maybe on Bell first and then go, why, Coach, why didn't you cover? Mark, you're you're up twenty eight thirty one three, late third quarter. All you got to do you need you need twenty eight and a half. All you got to do is kick a field goal somewhere, punch it in, and uh, you take your foot off the gas. You know it, it's how again, long would he stare at you? I think probably like fifteen seconds. It's a good question because Mark D'Antonio actually has a little bit better, uh, is a little more humorous as a as a personality than people think. Like right. he he will be witty, he will engage. I, I don't know. He would either be very stern and be like you know because it was the word gambling or whatever and oh, yeah. sort of say you know we don't worry about that or he would he would be light in the moment depending on the mood and and, and just sort of grin and say ah you know I, I hear that you know i i don't worry about that stuff and i don't know what he'd say i don't i'm not no, gonna ask it the word gambling i'm not gonna get it. tossed on your ass you bring up the word gambling and, and, and that, no they're not you're not getting an answer yeah no if if yeah. But that spread. Speaking of, I just that spread, like you said, blows my mind. I, that's a heavy stay away from me. I don't. I can't figure it out. It's just the injuries of Michigan State. Does Michigan State have the more have more talent than Northwestern? If healthy, sure. I mean, is L.J. Scott going to make a big impact coming back in that game? Well, keep in mind, Northwestern's a disappointing team, right? They were supposed to be a, a potential dark horse in the West Division this year, and hasn't hasn't been. So people didn't see. Northwestern is having a dearth of talent coming in. They've had some injuries. They're always they're, they're an extreme version of Michigan State, right? They're always better as, as an underdog. You look at their record as an underdog versus favorite, covering the spread. They're a great play as a dog, and that's one thing I would say this week. I think when they're at least a uh, seven point dog, they're like twenty and ten under Fitzgerald uh, against the spread, and, and when they're a favorite, they're horrible. And um, that's just. That's who Northwestern is, right? It's people that don't think they're that good, and and they're better when they're sort of under the radar. And Michigan State has that to some degree, but it's won its way out of that persona. The chip on the shoulder for Michigan State still works against Michigan, still works against Ohio State, a little bit maybe Penn State. It does not work against Northwestern. It's the the complete opposite vibe. I think it's going to be an incredibly interesting game, an incredibly dangerous game. I mean, looking ahead to Penn State or Michigan, I think is, is, is very unwise. There is a Almost a 50-50 chance that Michigan State walks out of this game 1-1 one and one in the Big Ten and with a, with a second loss um, on the season. All right, we're going to take one final break. When we come back, talk a little baseball, and there's a reason for it. The uh, Chicago Cubs play tonight in the, uh, in the NL wild card, and there's a dynamic going on with fans, that uh, of Cubs fans, and many of you may be Cubs fans. I have lots of friends who are Cubs fans that I find very interesting. We'll be right back. Couch in the Roop. And we're back here on Couch in the Roop, Graham Couch, alongside Jason Nick. Uh, if this hour sounds a little different and you don't have some of the intro music and stuff like that, um, had just a uh, little studio scheduling uh, deal today, so we, we're doing this in an alternative studio, and so things are a little different. <laughs> alternative. <laughs> um, and uh, that's sometimes the way it is in the radio business. And from what we understand, too, this was not available on the app live today, Um because of the way we were, we were doing the show ahead of time for by an hour, so we apologize for that. We'll get that fixed. 
for next time that if we ever have to do this again. We'll be back live uh, tomorrow uh, on Wednesday. Here's the best part: you can download the podcast. Yeah, it's available check at noon. Us, yeah, it'll be there on the podcast. It'll be there. It'll be. It'll be there. Absolutely. I want to get into a uh, little baseball. We don't talk a lot of baseball here, um, but Rockies at Cubs tonight, eight oh five. Now, is this a one game playoff? One game. It's the it's the wild card playoff. I love that you didn't know that. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I don't. I'm I'm confused. There's a one game play in the other right. night. So you wind I, up with two divisions that wind up completely tied. And so because those divisions are tied. Why do you play 162 games? They did, and they wound up tied. Well, that's ridiculous. What, what, what do you want them to do? I don't know. Lose intentionally? I don't know. Flip a coin, do something. I don't know. I just, so listen, they, I'm just i in football mode, so that's why I didn't know. Sorry, they, I didn't know the wild card game. So they, they, they play one game to get into a one game. No, no. They played one game, and the winners won the division and are in, are in the— So Milwaukee won the division. Correct. The two gotcha. losers of those games, the Cubs and, and, and Rockies, are now in the wild card. Okay. And so they have to play tonight. And what's really fascinating to me is, and I got a, a lot of us are probably uh, Cubs fans to some degree, or, or n- know lots of them, because if, you, if again, if you're of, of my generation or older, or even a little younger, you might have grown up with WGN Cubs games on in the afternoon. I came home from school; they were on. So the Cubs were kind of my second team for a long time. I, I grew out of I that. Think every Tigers fan has that. Where the Cubs are their second team. Well, the other thing that happened is the Tigers didn't have a winning season from 94 to 2005. Yeah. So 12 years of losing seasons, you kind of look for something else in life a little bit when they're just out of it by uh, July every year. But I, I do that with the NFL. You know, when the Lions are not in it, I'll root for a team, but I'm not going to buy gear and be all into it. You know, I, I understand you can – I rooted for the Cubs when they won the World Series. I, I have very little Cubs gear. The other, the other thing that's added a little bit of Cubs intrigue for me is my wife, who works for the Chicago Tribune, uh, for two years before we were married, lived three blocks north of Wrigley Field. We would walk down to game, scalp tickets in the second and third innings, which is a lot of fun, by the way. It's, it's, she was the greatest scalping partner I've ever been with because usually you, you go in the second or third inning because they're starting to get a little desperate and you can get a really good deal. And if you live three blocks away, it's not a big deal. You just walk down. The problem is, if it's just me or you, there's kind of an understanding. I want to go to the game. You want to go to the game. They want to sell you the ticket. We're all going to come to a fair agreement. But you're not going to get an enormous bargain because ultimately they want to go to the game. My wife did not want to go to the game. And they could see it on her face. She did not care. She was just as happy to turn right around, walk the three blocks back, and go watch HGTV or go to a bar down the street. And they could sense losing the sale in her eyes. It made her a wonderful scalping partner. We got incredible deals because people were, were, were scared of, of, of losing the sale. But what's interesting about this dynamic tonight is the range of emotions from Cubs fans yesterday and today. And I was in Chicago at a bar when they won the World Series. Um, it was a really interesting, cool night to walk around Wrigley. and, and the, They actually won it in Cleveland, but the, Wrigleyville was, was pretty alive. But because of that, like I have a buddy who lives in Chicago, uh, a diehard f- fan who, when they lost in 2003 with the Bartman situation and all that stuff, I mean, he didn't speak for like two days. Like he was, I mean, he was just despondent. He sat in a corner at like a gathering after work and just the hood over his head and drank a beer. He doesn't care. I called him yesterday and I was like, oh man, I'm sorry. And he said, ah. They won the World Series. I never thought that happened in my lifetime. Like that lifted something to where he can't be mad at whatever's happening with the Cubs. And I wonder how long that'll be. It could be a decade before he cares if the Cubs lose again. One hundred and three years. <laughs> yeah. 
The flip side of that is in our own office at the LSJ, uh, Phil Friend, who's uh, our digital sports reporter and, and host of the, the Spartan Speak podcast. Soccer nerd. Soccer nerd. He bought f- four tickets, drove to Chicago, went to the game in Wrigley, all in. Matt Macarini, who many of you know is, is our, 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 a reporter who's been kind of owned the Larry Nasser coverage, diehard Cubs fan. Um, just, I mean, it was all out of sorts. He he couldn't focus. Kept walking into my boss's office, who was also a Cubs fan, and she had the game on. And I asked him if he wanted to hang out tonight and watch the wild card game against the Rockies, and if he wanted some company for it. And he's like, "Ah, oh, you don't you don't want to be around me. It'll be you know I'll, I'll need to yell at the TV and I need all this." And then I said, "No, I don't I don't mind that." And then he put it bluntly, "I don't want to be around you." <laughs> he's like, I, "I I need to be alone for this tonight. It's not going to go well. I need to be able to behave like a complete jackass." And I you know I I respect it, but it's a range of emotions. There's a guy who. You know, and I, I do get that. I, I wonder if the Lions won a, a Super Bowl. Oh. Okay, so to put, try and put yourself in that. Okay, uh-huh. so the Lions win a Super Bowl. Let me so close he, my eyes. And think <laughs> about it. Yep, I see it. All right, the Lions win a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Two years later, they blow a game in, the, in Week 17 that would have gotten them a bye in the division title. Instead, they have to play in the wild card. What is your emotional response? given that they won a Super Bowl two years earlier? I don't care. If they win a Super Bowl, they can do whatever they want for the next five years. I don't care. They can. I can walk in and Golden Tate can be with my girlfriend. I, I could care less, whatever happens. So, yeah, I can agree. There's no way the wild card game, if the Lions won a Super Bowl previously, that it would make me like, oh, man, I'm bummed out. Now they're in a wild card game. They're at week 17. They need to back into the playoffs. Yeah, I just – I could feel – when I closed my eyes and thought about the Super Bowl, Graham, I could feel everything just alleviate, like just going off my chest and everything. It'd be great. You'd just be a better person, a happier person, right? Probably. Would you but, be a functional person? I also person? agree. I also agree watching the game by myself. But I would. I let people know, like, if you want to come over and watch a Lions game with me, if I smack a cup across the, I mean, you might see some stuff. I'm, I've gotten a lot better, but you may see some things. So if you want to still come over after that. That's fantastic, but what what happens when I'm watching a Lions game by my house at, at my house by myself stays at the house, and Monday morning we all act like nothing happened, but I've gotten a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I once I mentioned this threw over a chair in my parents' dining room after the Lions scored with too much time on the clock against the Bears to open the '93 season. Too much time on the clock. Heard that before? Yep, that's what the Lions do. They score with too much time. On the flipping clock. I think the Lions need to take the two-minute drill out of their offense and put in a four-minute drill or a three-minute drill and stop scoring with too much time left on the clock. Slow it down just a little bit. Well, and then people ask, should Golden Tate run out at the four? Yeah. Yes. No. Run out the four. Really? Yes. Absolutely. No, no, run you're down six. Down. You're down six. You don't so know what? you're going to be able to punch so it in. what? We got it. So you th- Red zone. You think the history no, is – No, I'm sorry. I was just joking. But, I mean – you have to score the touchdown no matter what because our red zone is offense is terrible. But that's what people were asking. No, but it is fair to say. I mean, the history of the Lions is is that bad. I know, but it's funny that people actually thought that like Golden Tate should run out at the no. three yard. <laughs> like, no, you score the touchdown and let your defense. I, I didn't have a problem scoring the touchdown because that's what you do. Yeah, my issue was with the response to scoring the touchdown. They looked a little too much like they thought they'd won the game. Like they didn't know the history of the franchise. Like they didn't know what was about to happen on the other side that all of us knew. And maybe if you're a player and you've only been in it for a few years, you don't sense it quite the same way. 
But I think we all absolutely knew what was coming. Yeah, but I mean, you watched the game last night and with the Chiefs, and they go for it on fourth and one. I just want to be one of those teams. Even if you lose the game, going for it on fourth and one, it, it, it shows the other team, and it shows your defense that you, you have faith in them. And that's what I liked about Andy Reid. That's what I like about coaches like Mike Leach that just don't even mess around. Don't even think about it. Going for it on fourth and inches, fourth and one. All right, Jason, this has been an interesting show, you know. Um, it's been fun. It's been uh, a whirlwind. It has. It's been, it has been interesting. And, and if, if you usually listen to us live uh, through the app or you've just started doing so and, and, and just took you out of your routine, we apologize. We'll get that going tomorrow. And um, we hope you found us on uh, Spotlight Radio Network dot com and uh we'll, we'll download us after it becomes a podcast we'll come back tomorrow and uh i'm going to try and get on like teddy Greenstein from the chicago tribune talk a little northwestern see if this team is is for real if there's any fear michigan state fans should actually have or if i'm just creating drama unnecessarily which i have occasionally uh been known to do in a, in a column or, or, or opinion or two all right thanks for listening spartan beat or with uh, rico beard is next Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.